This is WGRE 91.5 FM, Greencastle, Indiana. Good evening and welcome to Music for Life, music from DePaul. In this episode, with our next Living Composers Festival right around the corner, Stephen Linville and Elika Okerstrom come in to tell us about Jason Robert Brown's upcoming visit. And Hannah talks with a pair of students who have prepared some of his music to perform in Masterclass. Anna talks with Brooke Addison about another DePaul student-conceived outreach program in the community. Our jazz ensemble and band directors come in to tell us about concerts they've prepared. And just having finished this year's Music of the 21st Century Festival, we talk with guest composer Roberto Sierra about his work and his visit to DePaul. There are lots of exciting things going on in the DePaul School of Music, and we're glad you could join us for Music for Life. On Wednesday, March 4th at 7.30 p.m. in Kresge, we are bringing up our first big band jazz concert. And here to chat with me about what they have on the program is our jazz studies director, Steve Snyder. Welcome. Thank you. So what's on the program? Well, uh, we've got a number of things here that are bending towards the modern. Ah. So I'm trying to look at things that have been written within the last 20 to 30 years and focus on some more of the up-to-date repertoire. So who do you have? We've got some great recent arrangers, Eric Richards, mm. Paul McKee, Mike Tomorrow, mm. and a couple of guys who've been doing it a little bit longer, Bob Mincer, Frank Mantooth, Toshiko Akiyoshi. Ah. And uh, our classic for the set is Don Menza's Groove Blues. <laughs> Doesn't get better than Don Menza. But you've got some great writers and arrangers there. So what charts are you doing? Mike Tomorrow's written a great chart on the Wayne Shorter composition, Speak No Evil. Ah, Mike writes great charts. He, and he's a great player himself. He is terrific. Uh, he hails from my hometown of really? Pittsburgh. Yes. How about that? And uh, I've met him there in the past. We've done some gigs together, and mm-hmm. uh, I've really enjoyed playing his music. Yeah, he's, he's a good great. guy. And what else are you playing? Uh, Paul McKee's original is called That's What I Thought, which is sort of loosely based on uh, the chord changes to George Gershwin's Summertime. Ah, uh, cool. but it's kind of up-tempo, and uh, that's a real exciting piece. The Bob Mincer chart is Herbie Hancock's composition, Dolphin Dance, ah, which cool. is a, very much a contemporary of the Speak No Evil chart, uh, composition <laughs> right. by Wayne Shorter. So, right. Mincer um, play with the Yellow Jackets? He does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. yeah. Eric Richards is a great new arranger. This piece is written by Benny Carter, mm. and it was made available through the Benny Carter Foundation, to anybody who wants it. I mean, if you want to play this chart, uh, you can go to Eric Richards' website and it's made free through that Wow, foundation. how about that? That's yeah. a great thing. It's called Souvenir. It's a beautiful ballad and it's going to feature our pianist. Yeah. So looking forward to that. Jennifer will be hard at work on that one then. Yes, she has been. Yeah, great. Also, we've got uh, the Toshiko Akiyoshi composition Studio J, which is a great bebop mm. chart on some uh, unusual changes. And uh, love playing that repertoire. It's really a modern version of a bebop band in a way that uh, none of the other big bands really achieved. So yeah, jazz has a very compressed history, but has really covered a lot of ground in the years that the big band has been around. So when you compare the set that you'll be putting up there to how we got started in the big band world, well, that's a remarkable distance to have traveled, and you've got some great stuff on tap. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, thanks for coming in to chat about it. Thank you. Hannah Goth here with the events calendar for the week of March 2nd. On Wednesday, March 4th, the DePauw Jazz Ensemble will be playing at 7.30. Thursday, March 5th, 
is Donuts with the Dean at 8.45 in the morning. And later that evening at 7.30, there will be a faculty select series concert, the Duo Damiana with Molly Barth on flute and Dieter Hennings on guitar. And at that concert will be a premiere of a work by our own Scott Perkins. Sunday, March 8th is the final round of the School of Music auditions, so make sure you're all welcoming and friendly for all the high school students. And at 3 p.m. that afternoon, the DePaul University Band will be performing. And in the middle of that week is the arrival of Tony Award-winning composer Jason Robert Brown. Friday, March 6th at 11.30 a.m., there will be a discussion with him on success in the theater. At 1.45, there will be another discussion with him on composition and creative process. The coachings will begin at 3 p.m. that day, and at 6.30 p.m. will be a vocal master class. The next day, March 7th, at 10 a.m., is an alumni panel about getting into the business and will feature a lot of DePaul alumni who have been pursuing performing careers. At 12 p.m., there will be another alumni panel, and it will be on ethics and theater in musical theater. At 2 p.m. that afternoon, there will be a Living Composers Festival student cabaret performance, and it will feature some of your favorite vocalists singing the works of Jason Robert Brown. And finally that evening at 5 p.m., Jason Robert Brown himself will be giving a concert of his music. This has been the events calendar for the week of March 2nd. Have a good one. From our just-concluded Music of the 21st Century Festival featuring guest composer Roberto Sierra, the DePaul Chamber Singers, under the direction of Christina Berger, perform Sierra's Cantos Populares.
just completed Music of the 21st Century with composer Roberto Sierra here doing wonderful work, and it's out of the frying pan into the fire for us as we now jump in to another of our Living Composers festivals, this with Jason Robert Brown. Elika Okerstrom and Stephen Linville have stopped by to chat about it. Welcome. Hi. Hi. So, wow, talk about out of the frying pan into the fire. I mean, there's no <laughs> days off here, so what's up? Well, Friday and Saturday, Jason Robert Brown will be on campus, and it's a very busy two days. Um, he'll be working with our students. The students will be doing coachings and master classes, presenting a concert. He'll be presenting a concert, and we also have alumni back on campus to do a panel about their experiences in theater and music, as well as faculty members who will be doing a panel about uh, music, theater, and ethics. So there's a lot going on in two short days. Wow. We're thrilled to even have this guy at all. Yes. Right. <laughs> so he was planned last year, right? Right. So we had Jason slated to come in the fall semester, but then as naturally this always happens, he had a show open on Broadway. Very oh, casual. Yeah. One which, those, another Broadway <laughs> right. opening. Oh. Happened, me too. I yeah, also yeah, opened I, one. Yeah, um, right. You hate when that happens. Sure. It jams up your whole schedule. <laughs> exactly. So we were able to scramble together a visit for him to come now in March, and we're really looking forward to having him here. So what's the final event? Tell me what's going to happen there. So at the end of Saturday at 2 p.m., the students who have worked with Jason throughout the visit will give a concert. And then following that at 5 p.m., um, Jason will actually give a concert where he plays and sings. So this is the composer. This is the mm -hmm. composer. I've actually seen him do this before several years ago in Indianapolis. It will be a great event. It's a lot of fun. He performs his own works, some of which we may not have ever heard that will be from upcoming shows. When I saw him, I think it was back in 2007, he was working on Honeymoon in Vegas, which just opened, and mm -hmm. so he played some of his pieces from that and that concert. So I'm looking forward to see what he might play in this one. Yeah, it's like a Billy Joel concert. The piano man comes out, but he's also the composer. Oh, yeah. All this the, <laughs> and the piano music, you know, Jennifer Peacock and Amanda Hobson are playing for the student concert, and the written music never looks like what it actually sounds like when he plays because it's so fluid out of his hands and it's just so virtuosic. It's mm -hmm. really hard to put into notation. Yeah. It's a remarkable event. It's this weekend, so you'll want to join us. Information about it is online. Tickets are available. Yes, tickets are $10 for the entire festival. Great, for the entire festival. Yes. Right around the corner. And thanks for coming in to chat about it. Thank thanks. you. This is student producer Hannah Gothier, and joining me in the studio today are two vocalists, Derek Truby and Angel Riley. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Thanks for coming to talk to me today. This week is the anticipated arrival of Tony-winning composer Jason Robert Brown. Mm -hmm. How yes. excited are you guys? Very Extremely. excited. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are a part of the student cabaret. What is that like? What are you guys doing? So uh, we were chosen to sing two songs written by Jason Robert Brown and then two songs that were written in the same style. So that's composers like Sondheim and Bernstein. And um, we are going to be 
singing and he's going to critique us on our singing and he's also going to uh, just give us some advice about the business and different things like that and there are going to be uh, many classes that he's going to teach in regards to like I said business and Broadway and things so it's going to be a very eye-opening experience for all of us yeah definitely I think we're all just trying to get our music perfect we've had it for a while now but it's really different when you actually have the person who wrote the song come in it's really mm-hmm. nerve-wracking but I think that we'll all do really good and learn a lot from the composer. Now, what JRB pieces are you two performing? I am performing Surabaya Santa, and me and Derek are actually doing a duet from Parade, Rumbling and Rolling. Oh, that was, so. a, that was a crowd favorite. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll be performing If I Didn't Believe in You from the last five years. Oh, okay. So, And then he's also giving a concert mm-hmm. that night too, right? Mm-hmm. Are you hoping he perform some of his hits, your favorites? Well, the thing is about Jason Robert Brown, he can only perform his music the best because like a lot of pianists say, it sometimes is uh, frustrating to play his music because all of the little grace notes that he puts in his music that comes natural to him is not natural to anybody else. And so I'm very interested to hear how he adds things and takes things away and just embellishes on his music. Mm Same here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I'm really, really looking forward to that. So the Student Cabaret then will be at 2 o'clock on Saturday, and Jason Robert Brown's concert will be at 5 Mm o'clock that Saturday in Thompson. All right, thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Angel. Thank you. Thank you. On Sunday, March 8th at 3 p.m. in Kresge, our band returns with its first full concert by the band. They've just performed with Music of the 21st Century, but their first full band concert will happen in Kresge at 3 p.m. And here to chat with me about it is Dr. Craig Perret. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. McCoy. So you've got a nice program chosen. Boy, you've got some big hitters on here. We do. The highlight of this concert is working with a faculty member, Scotty Stepp. We're performing a new work. I think it's only a couple of years old. It's uh, by a composer named Evan Chambers, a younger composer, Concerto for Alto Saxophone and Band. Scotty brought this to my attention oh, about a year ago. Scotty finds the coolest music, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. Contemporary music for solo, for ensembles. And, well, the last time I worked with him, he brought in an arrangement of a Gurwitch concerto, which was with orchestra and, and alto saxophone, uh, but brought this original work to my attention, and it's filled with blues, with jazz, and a lot of different influences that are indigenous American music, and he plays it like he wrote it. Yeah, boy, isn't that true? Mm-hmm. Scotty is such a great player, and I always love to hear him in front of the band. The band mm-hmm. and Scotty dance well together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to round it out with some fun works uh, that are a good challenge for the group. Toccata Marziale of Vaughn Williams. I haven't done that in quite a while. That's uh, a great piece. Danza Final of Hinastera from his ballet Estancia. Mm. The Overture for Woodwinds of Philip Spark. It's a beautiful work. A number of years ago when we recorded this piece, I'd been looking for something. It's often uh, easy to find something for brass ensemble, mm-hmm. but not just for woodwind ensemble that mm. incorporates everyone, including saxophones. A colleague of mine told me about this Philip Spark work, Overture for Woodwinds, and it uses the entire complement of woodwinds, no brass. Wow. And it's a beautiful work. Neat. Yep. That's, uh, that's going to be fantastic. And Philip Spark writes some great stuff. You know, I think his name fits his music very well. Yeah. <laughs> very descriptive. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got a little Charles Ives on here, don't you? The Country Band March, ah, which boy. already the group is enjoying the, the, the goofiness of this. Yeah. 
So for our audience who doesn't know, mm -hmm. Charles Ives was a composer who was not necessarily well heralded in his own day. Particularly in his own day, and it took into the 50s and 60s with conductors like Leonard Bernstein to bring this composer's music to the America's attention. Because he writes in so many keys at the same time, and it's so atonal. There's a famous story about his father teaching him to play hymns at the piano, but then he would say, okay, put the bass in another key. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, now put the treble in a, th so now you're in three keys, bass, treble, or two keys, mm -hmm. and your right hands, now, now do it in a third, and then a fourth, so now your hands are in four different keys while you're playing the same hymn, and then sing it in a fifth key. <laughs> and I guess if you're a kid growing up like that, you write music like Charles Ives. That's right. <laughs> and this work is supposed to sound like a terrible community band that can't keep a beat, that's right, right and plays a variety of tunes in different places. Right. And the other piece we're going to do, we're going to take one work from music of the 21st century. I usually like to bring something that we've prepared for our visiting composers to that audience, which is, can often be a different audience. So we're bringing the Tumbao, which is a, the first mm. movement of his symphony in number three, a La Salsa. Wow. So we're going to perform that, That's too. good to get to hear that again. That's it a is. a great piece. So you won't want to miss it. It's this Sunday, 3 p.m. in Kresge Recital Hall, and a great program in store. Thanks for coming in to chat about Thank it. Thank you. This is Anna Gatula. Today I have with me Brooke Addison. Hi, Anna. Brooke is a senior in the School of Music, and she heads one of our philanthropy concert series at the Asbury Towers. Thanks for coming in, Brooke. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be able to talk about the Asbury Towers Nursing Home Program. So what exactly is this performance series? Well, the Asbury Towers Music Service Program is focused on bringing musicians from the School of Music to the nursing home, which is right in our community. Mm -hmm. And about once a month, we go over there and do a performance for all of the residents. Do a lot of residents come to watch the students perform? We do. We have um, a pretty solid group of people who come. It's ranges from around 20 to 40 people oh, who wow. come. A lot of uh, repeat customers, so that's good. <laughs> Some of the residents were musicians themselves, so especially oh, like last time, Emily Chen and Alex Bushkin came and played, and Alex played some jazz standards, so I could hear some of the vocalists in the back singing along, oh. and there were some pianists who were strumming their legs like they were, like they were playing, playing again. That's awesome. How did you come into contact with Asbury Towers to create this connection between DePaul and the residents? I was actually talking with Julie, who works at Cafe Allegro, and she had told me that Back in her time, she had a sister who was a resident at Asbury Towers, and okay. there had been a music program through the school, and it had ended. And I thought oh. it would be a really good opportunity to try to bring that back. So I spoke with Dean McCoy to attach the school music's name to it. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I looked at the board members on the website for Asbury Towers Nursing Home, and I contacted and reached out to their event coordinator, Julie Dozer. So I'm um, just emailing with her, getting back and forth. I actually had a resident, Pat Aikman, and I went and met with him to get a resident's perspective on music that he would like. So he helped me and wow. he'd make flyers and hand them out to make sure that all the residents knew what was going on. Has organizing this concert series been very rewarding for you? I love it. It's so much fun when I'm able to go and introduce the performers and mm -hmm. like, act as a conduit almost between the residents and the students and facilitating conversations. I think it's, it's great. I actually got a letter over Christmas break from one of the residents telling me, how much he loved the program and how grateful they all were that the students come out mm -hmm. and do this. So that, that obviously felt really nice. How have the students at the DePaul School of Music responded to this performance series? Everyone who's gone over said they really enjoyed it. The residents make a point of coming up afterwards and like saying 
how they felt about it and mm-hmm. how much they really appreciate the students coming over. So I think it's rewarding for everyone involved. Well, thanks for setting up this philanthropy series and thanks for coming in to talk about it. Thank you for inviting me. The DePaul University Band, under the direction of Craig Paré, performs the first movement of Sierra's Sinfonia No. 3, La Salsa, entitled Tumbao.
Kevin Days, and you're listening to Music for Life. Last week's episode, and much of this week's episode, has featured some remarkable music from our guest composer as part of the Music of the 21st Century Festival. And we are thrilled to welcome to the studio that wonderful composer who has spent the week with us and has been a part of masterclasses and coachings and rehearsals and classroom appearances and some really fantastic concerts. It's my pleasure to welcome Roberto Sierra. Welcome. Thank you very much. It is a real pleasure to be here with you in this interview and also to be at the PO. I have to say that I am deeply moved and really impressed by the level of musicianship, music making and sort of devotion that comes across in doing this festival. So there is nothing more wonderful for a composer than to have an event like the one I have been experiencing here. And for us as well, it's always a joy for me to watch the interaction of a guest composer who, you know, is awe-inspiring, comes in, works with a student one-on-one, and then in rehearsal situations, and I've been able to peek in throughout the week and see what you've been up to, and everyone has blossomed through this week and has really spoken very highly of having the opportunity to work with you directly. So thank you for all your good work this week. This is an interesting idea. An entire week of one composer's music with one composer helping us understand how that music came to life. How's it been for you? It's also been interesting because I I have had concerts, sort of uh, monographic concerts, but not followed in a whole week like this. So it is humbling in a way. It's a very deep experience because I've been sort of listening to music that covers a wide range mm-hmm. in, in terms of, of years. I mean, there there are pieces there that were written before these kids were born. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) So putting them together like this, I'm listening to sort of three plus decades of music making. and, And it's interesting to notice how there are gestures in my music that have always been there. This is the kind of reflection one normally doesn't do because Mm -hmm. you, you don't, I mean, I'm not that type of narcissistic composer <laughs> who is listening to his music all the time. Right, right. And, um, you know, basically the, the, the main things I'm doing is writing the next piece. So the, these pieces are like in the past already. But it's been fascinating from that point, but also wonderful to see younger generations actually approaching your work and to see how, if I had gone to, to a college right when I wrote some of these pieces in the 80s, I don't think they would have been able to do it. And mm. these people are doing it, not only doing it, but doing it extremely well with not just playing the notes, but also with a sense of artistry, of understanding. And I, and I think you are doing here something very special by having this festival going on, special not only for them and, and what their learning experience is, but also special in terms of of bringing this consciousness of of live music, that music is being written now, that there is something that we can call American music. Right. You know, we spent much of our Dvorak festival talking about American classical music and what it should be. And so it was really a great preface to your visit and now having this opportunity. And for me, it's very interesting because there's really 
two types of evolution that I am witnessing in this process. One is the evolution of the student who has been working on the music in your absence and then see it really blossom once we get a little peek into the composer's mindset about that piece. So we see the ensembles and the musicians evolving over time. But because this truly is a microcosm of decades of work, we also hear the evolution of the composer's voice as well. And it's interesting because it's all Sierra, but there are remarkable evolutions that have happened over that period of time. And it's probably unusual for you to actually sit in one sitting and think, oh my gosh, I wrote that when I was 25 years old and I wrote this when I was 40 and I wrote, you know, it has, that's got to be an interesting it, it is very interesting and it's a, it's a motive for, to reflect on that actually, which I, now that I have that perspective, I mean, if you have been just working for 10 years, that's a different perspective, but I can look back 30 years and see what has changed and what has remained the same. And I think what is interesting is it has to do with where I was, not aesthetically, but physically. So the first works come out of having just finished studies in Europe. So those mm -hmm. are my first professional works. Then the brief period that I was in Puerto Rico, which was from the year 82 till 89, and then now this very long period of being here in the uh -huh. United States. So I think all of those things that have to do with what I hear in terms of music, but not only the music that has influenced me as I, as I have been traversing these this decades, but also the, even the ambience, mm -hmm. the, the sense of light, the climate. I come from the tropics and I find myself surrounded by snow now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and... The, Especially during this trip and frigid temperatures. Yeah, and, but, but I, I think that, that does change your approach, not only to the music, but to life. I mean, mm -hmm. you have to live differently. Mm -hmm. you, ha you have to react differently. So, so I think all of those things produce transformations and that, that is to me interesting of course i'm looking at myself which is very difficult a very difficult thing mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. i think my music has also evolved in, into a more and it's not only me but a lot of composers of my generation we have evolved into a more sort of tonal language in a way and uh, i have no explanation for that the only thing i know is that i always said that we still hear tonally mm -hmm. we only hear dissonance related to how tonality works. So yeah, there are works of mine that are more modernistic and there are works of mine that are more either tonal or in the realm of the folklore. And I'm working now with a person who is writing a, a biography on me and my evolution. And I said that early on, growing up in Puerto Rico, this was before I went to study in Europe, that I was growing up with the vernacular, the popular music of the streets, salsa music. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the 60s, the mm -hmm. heyday of salsa. <laughs> and at the same time, I was hearing Pablo Casals, who was in Puerto Rico at the time, on the TV with the Casals Festival. So I had these two worlds living sort of, say, simultaneously in mm -hmm. my head. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also part of sometimes the crazy things I do. <laughs> <laughs> and so your music has evolved over time, although it always sounds like you. You know, our goal as composer always to achieve our own voice. And we clearly hear your voice throughout this week and throughout your music. 
I found it interesting in a conversation earlier that once you've reached the status as composer that you've reached, so many people are commissioning you and there's so much work to be done. I mean, it's just, it's just piling up. Here comes another one and another one and another one. And the pressure to constantly be developing new music. And while you've been here teaching all day, running coachings and everything else, you're still trying to keep pen to paper or hand to computer and making that music happen. Tell us a little bit about your compositional process now. You're working on a handful of pieces simultaneously at this very moment. I am basically working on two things I need to get going because the reasons you're saying, because I have other work that I need to do and that if I want to finish in time, I, I better work on these two so I can get on the next. I find myself that in order to do that, and I was mentioning this early on to a similar question, is that if I wait in the afternoon when I come back from work at the university, for mm-hmm. example, I'm wasted already. Right, right. So I find myself writing a lot during the morning before I start to do anything else. And it's a lot of pressure. And also for me, I mean, because that time passes. And, you know, the question is, you know, I'm now uh, 61 years of age. I think 61. I tend to forget <laughs> how old I am. I want to forget how old I am. But, you know, nowadays, I mean, in the in the 19th century, I would have been gone age 40. Right. I, I mean, that was... That yeah, was, by that the was time a, Mozart was our age, he'd been dead for... Oh, well, I, I would have been like, like already romantic, romantic era would be on. <laughs> I only hide and last ever a long time. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, I would hate to be pessimistic, and I am not pessimistic. I want to live till 100, like Elliot Carter did. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but in reality, it's not how long, but what is a useful time. Mm-hmm. So for me, the most precious commodity is time. Absolutely. It, uh, as, as we are older, I think I'm not a rich person, but you can be very rich. But if you're very rich and do not have time, Money's of no use. Exactly right. It's yeah, with, time. and with with all the money in the world, you can't buy time. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think that it's a very good point. You know, that there's that old saying that you know, as a child, a day seems to last a year, and as a, an older person, a year seems to last a day, okay. and time passes by. So tell us, when we look back on the music, what do you want us to say about that music? I hope that. The experience of listening to this work is not indifferent. I don't expect everybody to like it because I, I don't think we can control that, but at least that I touch a fiber. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, some pieces people will say will be either moved or provoked to think about things that they wouldn't otherwise do. I hope that it was an experience that was useful to the audience, but at the end, I don't want to sound self-indulgent or egotistic, but I want to write music in a way for myself. If I enjoy the piece, hopefully somebody will have a similar reaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I find that this is interesting, hopefully a like-minded audience member will think the same way. But of course, I, I want people to have a good experience. And hopefully that is the case always. That has certainly been the case during your visit with us and the many great concerts and all the great moments. And it's been wonderful to watch our students bloom in this period of time and to see them so dedicated to bringing your music to life in an honorable way. And I think they've certainly done so. And I have to say, it's been very impressive. I have been around and I have heard (laughs) many, many ensembles 
but you know, the, for example, uh, the quality of your ensembles, the orchestra is fantastic. And the way this festival is put together, I know also what it means to organize an event like this. Mm -hmm. It's not simple at all, but it has been spotless, you know, dealing with my good friend now, Carla Edwards, and, and all the faculty, the students. It's been a truly wonderful experience, and I want to thank you and thank the rest of the administration and the university, the Poe and the students and the faculty for making this a wonderful time. Well, I can assure you, Roberto, the pleasure has been all ours. And you know, as, as you just remarked, we're talking about time being such a high commodity. This was well spent. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming in to share some of your time with us today. Thank you very much. Concluding our episode, the DePaul University Orchestra, under the direction of Orsinath Smith, performs Sierra's Carnival.
We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Music for Life. We love hearing from listeners. You can contact us by emailing musicforlife at depaw.edu. We're also on Facebook at DePaul Music for Life, and you can subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching there for DePaul Music for Life. Our student producers are Anna Gatdula, Matt Skiva, Burke Stanton, Rachel Amalfitano, Hannah Gauthier, and Caleb Denning. Our 21CM graduate intern is Elika Okerstrom. Veronica Pedrel is our online editor, and our show is produced by Matthew Champagne in the Judson and Joyce Green Center for the Performing Arts at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana. I'm Mark McCoy, Dean of the School of Music. Thank you for listening to our show. Keep music in your life and have a great week. It's music for life.